commercial banks in Uganda have written off over $77 million as bad loans in 2013. The talk was yeah, about that. It's not, it's not acceptable at all, especially because in Kenya, banks have been doing pretty well. 36% of the total profits were actually reported by that were reported by the sector written off. And, and that's what happens often when you are growing. A fast-growing economy tends to do that because that is the overall credit risk of the economy. It's not, it's not anything single thing that you can put your finger on. It's a matter of what's going to happen. When you are growing fast, there will be corners that will be cut or something is going to get missed as people try and finance that growth. And as entrepreneurial as Uganda is, I think this is one of those things that would have been the result of, of the high growth again. I'm sure they are going to have to do something about it, but the chairman of the Uganda Development Bank is on it. Hopefully they will be able to do something about it. But it's a systemic problem. It's not going to be one bank sorting out. This is going to be a countrywide response and a decision to be made whether we sacrifice growth for this kind of stability or not. Mm. And uh, looking at uh, banks in Ghana, the Bank of Ghana says uh, that they're quite happy with the steady growth in both nominal, nominal and real terms. And and so it should be, if you think about it. But And this is in spite of a plummeting city. The, the city, which is the currency of Ghana, went down by close to 30% in the first eight months of the year. So it's not, it's not a small dive in the value of the currency, but still the banks boosting their asset by close to 40%. To 13.6 billion dollars in a year, and that is that has, that was to be expected because with the kind of construction that's happening there, with a the level of economy growth happening around the oil, which is a new discovery, it was bound to be that. Ghana itself rebasing about three years ago to a middle-income economy, so it is it was to be expected, and that's what I mean that when you have fast-growing economy, that is likely to happen. Now, whether or not we will see a similar story in Ghana about what we had in Uganda, I don't know. But both of them, fast-growing economies, and you can expect banks to follow suit. Now, here's a story uh, that could have dire implications for chocolate lovers. The Ebola virus spreading through West Africa and sparking fears in the market supply of cocoa. What's going on there? And we know a certain chocolate lover on SASM, <laughs> don't we? So this is a serious, a matter it's of a international matter. interest. Very serious. You remember Ebola is hard-hitting in Liberia, Guinea, and Sierra Leone, Sakina. These two countries, Liberia and Guinea, share a border with Ivory Coast. Now, what that means is, because cocoa farming is not a sophisticated business. People who farm travel by bicycle, they go across borders, and some of the border controls aren't as great. And with the, with the fact that Liberia and Guinea share a border with Ivory Coast, there have been concerns about that. And as a result, once there's trouble of any sort in Ivory Coast, because Ivory Coast and Ghana between them produce 60% of the world cocoa production, and Ivory Coast itself accounts for more than 30%, once there's any disruption of any kind, if it's political or whatever, the world cocoa markets do that. They said 6.7, almost close to 7%, actually not even 6.3 in, in, in the, on the world market last week, indicating that we might think it's a health issue, but it has other far-reaching implications. The last time there was trouble in Ivory Coast, Sakina, to give you an idea, and that was during the post-election civil war in 2010, the cocoa futures on the world market spiked to 32-year highs. So let's hope this does not get to that level, because if it does, you are sure to be paying more for your chocolate or not having as much chocolate as you would like.
Mm. And then for those who are doing business uh, between uh, Johannesburg and Harare, some good news. Fly Africa Zimbabwe IC has announced the expansion of a low-fare business model uh, to include daily flights between Harare and Johannesburg. Yeah, it almost sounds too good to be true. $89 they are hoping to charge compared to $157 that is charged by South African-based competitors. This is Fly Africa. It's I'm, I'm always nervous when I see a low-cost airline because with the fuel prices doing what they're doing, it's always difficult to maintain a low-cost airline. Remember, fuel accounts sometimes to up to 40% of the cost of running an airline. So this is an operation that's being launched between Harare and Johannesburg, and you can understand that there's a lot of activity happening between Harare and maybe Fly Africa is hoping to cash in on the large population of Zimbabweans in South Africa who travel a lot. And because the border post is not efficient, those that can afford a low-cost air, air, air ticket will rather use that. It's a very good, a positive step because it's better to relieve the pressure on the road system. But I would like to see if this one will sustain itself, having seen so many low-cost airlines go belly up.